0: Number one tonight. This morning we spoke of why them, speaking of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Why did God choose them to be the parents of John the Baptist, of the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ? And tonight we're going to look at why her? Why her? Why did God choose Mary? Tonight's message will be very similar uh, to this morning, but I want us to look here in Luke chapter number 1 and we're going to begin reading in verse number 26. Luke chapter number one verse number twenty six, and I'll say this again: we said it this morning, but it matters. Decisions matter. Choices matter. Life matters. Faithfulness matters. Hey, young people tonight! I, I, this is a message for all of us tonight. But we're speaking about a young lady who was probably we don't know exactly, but was probably in her mid-teenage years. Just a teenager. By the way, that's a new word that our society and culture has come up with, teenager. And in some ways, it's not necessarily a good word because in many ways we give that age group, we give them a pass. We give them like seven years to act foolish when we shouldn't. Well, they're teenagers. That's just who they are. The Bible doesn't say that there's a specific time period in our lives where we can be disobedient to parents and we can... And I'm not saying our kids are like that. I'm not saying that tonight. I'm just just giving you a little introduction tonight. And I'm speaking to our young people and saying, Look, this young lady that we're going to talk about tonight, she was your age. She was your age. Um... Brother Snow was telling us this morning that at Opry Mills they have a sign uh, anyone under the age of 20, under the age of 20, 20, after 3 o'clock in the afternoon cannot come in the mall unless they're accompanied by an adult. And Bradley was, uh, Bradley Jenkins was standing there this morning when we were talking and he goes, wow, that really speaks to how our maturity level has decreased. And it really does, doesn't it? Anyone 20 years and under, after 3 p.m., you can't come in the mall without uh, an adult or without adult supervision. Uh, This young lady, she bore the Lord Jesus Christ. She began to raise the Lord Jesus Christ in those what we would call teenage years why her why her and by the way teenagers tonight young people tonight why you because God can come along and we'll see it again tonight we're gonna go back to it tonight the eyes of the Lord run to and fro he could come by your way even tonight and say you know what that's a young man I want to use That's a young lady I want to use. That's a young man I want to be a a preacher or a missionary. That's a young man I just want to be a a good godly man in his local church. That's a young lady I want her to be a, a good godly wife and a good godly mother and I want her to serve in her local church. I want her to be a pastor's wife. I want her to be a missionary's wife. Whatever the case would be, the Lord may come across you tonight. His eyes are ever looking and they're running to and fro. Why her? Look what the Bible says. We'll begin in verse 26. And in the sixth month, six months after he'd come to Zacharias, so that means Elizabeth is six months along in her pregnancy with John the Baptist. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Boy, verse number 28. Why her? And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. Thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, please don't misunderstand. We're we're not, we're not lifting up Mary tonight. We're not doing tonight what the Catholic Church does. They make her an object of worship. We are not doing that tonight. However, we are looking at the fact that this was a blessed and a special and a favored, the Bible says, young woman. Why was that the case? Let's continue on. I want to read down a little bit further if we could. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. By the way, he told, um, uh, Joseph was told the exact same thing, wasn't he? You're going to name him Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sin. He shall be great. That's kind of an understatement, isn't it? And I'm not saying the Bible is understating, but we understand that statement. He shall be great. and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. By the way, you remember what we saw about John the Baptist this morning? We read it real briefly at the end. In verse number 76, it says, And thou, thou child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. And here in verse number 32... It says, He shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto Him the throne of His father David, and He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of His kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, We know, we know the question. How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. Mary had been chaste. Mary had been very careful about how she acted with young men. She had been, and we'll see it in a while, she had been very pure in how she interacted with other young men. And young men and young ladies tonight, you you ought to have the same caution tonight. You you, you ought to have the, the same consecration when it comes to how you interact with a young lady or a young man. We like it when the young men like young women and the young women like young men. But there's a time and a place and there's bounds and there's boundaries. The Bible says, verse 34, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. By the way, let me back up just a second. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, in the book of Corinthians, that it's good for a man not to touch a woman. True? The Bible does say that. Outside of the bounds of marriage, outside of the marriage relationship, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And that idea of touch is the touch that uh, arouses or sparks the fire, is the idea there. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. When God's eyes were running to and fro looking for someone whose heart was perfect toward Him so that He could show Himself strong. I don't have any doubt. Based upon, and we could go to so many other passages and get different statements from God Almighty about the characteristics of Mary because God said you are well favored. God chose her. And I believe here's a young lady. We know she's a virgin. But I believe it goes much further than that. I believe here's a young lady who is absolutely consecrated to her God. and The angel answered, verse number 35, and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth shall, excuse me, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Think about that, cousins. Elizabeth is, we mentioned this morning, when it says well-stricken in years, she's probably over 80 plus. And here you have a young lady that's in her, we would consider her teenage years. Quite a different bit of an age gap, isn't there? And God's using both of them. Great truth there. Hey, just because you may be well-stricken in years, God's not finished with you. Yeah, amen and Amen. And just because you're young doesn't mean God can't use you. Verse number 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And I love verse 38. It's probably one of my most favorite verses in all of what we would consider the Christmas story. is verse number 38 here in Luke chapter number 1. And then back in Matthew chapter number 1. Um, I want to get the exact verse, It'll be verse number 24. When the angels come to Joseph and Mary, they both feared, but their responses were amazing. Verse number 38 And Mary said, Behold, she says, Lord, here I am. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. I'm not somebody else's handmaid. Lord, I'm your handmaid. And you know that, by the way, I think that speaks mightily about why her. She said, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. I'm not anybody else's handmaid. I'm not some man's handmaid. Lord, I'm your handmaid. And she said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. God, she's speaking to Gabriel, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. You know what she says? You know what she does? She has said, okay, this is the word of the Lord. Let it be so. This is the word of the Lord. Let it happen. We don't see any questions. We see, we see the one question. How, how is that possible? I've never known a man. We see that question. But after Gabriel explains that, she said, okay. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me. According to thy word. Wow, What? What? how wonderful if that would be our reaction. When the Lord would come to us with something and the Holy Spirit would prompt us with something, maybe an area of service or something we ought to do, and and instead of a whole bunch of questions, be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Take your Bibles and go back. Let's look at this verse again as we consider the question, why her? We consider the question this morning, why them? Why Zacharias? Why Elizabeth? To be the parents of John the Baptist. We spoke about their commitment to the course. We spoke about their obedience to the ordinances there in the first part of Luke chapter number 1. We spoke about their persistent prayer. And then we said that they were favored with the forerunner. Why them? Second Chronicles 16 and verse number 9. The Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord, again, context here. We're in the context of King Asa. Asa was a good king, but Asa made some bad decisions. He did not finish well. We didn't didn't read on down this morning, but in the next two verses, in verses 10 and 11, Asa gets so angry that he imprisons the the seer, Hanani, that had come to him in verse number 7. But in verse number 9, he says, for the eyes of the Lord, uh, he's speaking to Asa, and he's saying, Asa, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I want God to show himself strong in my life. Now, I don't always live that way, and I don't always manifest that, and I don't always do the things that I ought to do, but I do have that desire. I want God to show Himself strong in my life. By the way, I want God to show Himself strong in this church. I want God to show Himself strong in our families. I I want people to look at our families. I want people to look at our church and say, Hey, God did that. God is the one that did the work there. God is the one that did the miracles. God is the one who did the impossible. Because the truth is, in, with God it's not impossible, is it? For with God all things are possible. With God nothing shall be impossible. Asa, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Why? Because he trusted in other nations to help him instead of just trusting the Lord the way he had done in the past. Remember verse number 8? He says, We're not the Ethiopians and the Lubams, a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord... He delivered them into thine hand. But he said, Asa, but this time you didn't didn't rely on the Lord. You relied on the Syrians. Asa, the Lord, is his eyes run to and fro looking. He wants to show himself strong in your life, Asa. He did it in the past. He did it when you fought the Ethiopians and the Lubums. They had more chariots. They were a greater army. He showed himself strong then. Asa, he still wants to show himself strong. But Asa. You've done foolishly. Hey, so you trusted in man instead of trusting in God. If you're taking notes tonight, I I, I want to give you three thoughts tonight. Some of this will overlap with what we looked at this morning. And we are going to go to a few other passages tonight. So I pray that you'll stay with me. Why don't we give you three thoughts tonight? We'll develop those a little bit. The first thing I want us to see tonight, we find it right here in 2 Chronicles chapter number 16. I want us to see the Lord's eternal eyes. The Lord's eternal eyes. Maybe we should have preached this one first this morning. I don't know. But the Lord's eternal eyes. Let me give you two truths about His eternal eyes. Number one, His eyes watch tirelessly. His eyes watch tirelessly. And secondly, and we're going to look at some verses on these. But secondly, His eyes weigh, W-E-I-G-H. They weigh truthfully. They watch tirelessly and they weigh truthfully. You see, they watch tirelessly and God's looking and God's looking. God's weights and God's judgments are always right. And He weighs trying to do right and trying to obey and trying to be obedient to mom and dad and say well I just don't really like Alex so you know what even though it looks like he's doing okay yeah I'm not going to judge that way I don't like Alex God's not like that is he we are because we're flesh but God's not like that God always weighs and judges truthfully let's look at a few verses real quickly if we could Um, look at Proverbs chapter number five would you go there Proverbs chapter number five and we're going to look at a few here in the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter number five. His eyes watch tirelessly. Proverbs chapter number five. Proverbs 5 and verse number 21. We're speaking about the Lord's eternal eyes. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward Him. Proverbs 5 verse 21. The Bible says, For the ways of man are what? Are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. The ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. Look, where we go, what we do while we're there, what we say while we're there, what we think about while we're there, God sees it. And God knows it. And the Bible says here in verse 21, And he pondereth all his goings. He think, You know what he's doing? He's going to weigh truthfully is what he's going to do. He's going to watch tirelessly, and he's going to weigh truthfully. And he's watching. And by the way, this, 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 these aren't statements to scare us. These are statements to make us think. And by the way, if, if you don't want... By the way, if you don't want mom and dad to see what you're doing, you don't want God to see what you're doing, do you? But but here's the thing, He does see. Mom and dad may never see, but God always sees. But, But these statements aren't to scare anybody, they're to make us think. Hey, God does watch me. By the way, that can be a good thing. If I'm doing right, it's okay that God sees me. If I'm listening and I'm I'm obeying and I'm walking according to the Word of God. By the way, adults, same for us. It ought to be scary. Hey, husband, if you don't want your wife to see or wife, if you don't want your husband to see, maybe something you've been doing, you sure don't want God to see. But He does. He always does. And that can be good or bad. These statements are simply to to challenge us and encourage us. Look, let's do right. Let's live right. By the way, why her? Why her? You know why her? And we'll, I'm going to get ahead of myself because we'll get to it in point number two. But you know why her? Because her heart was perfect toward God. I mean, we, we've already, I've already given you the answer. I gave it to you this morning. Because her heart was perfect toward God. Why her? Because her heart was perfect toward God. Why you? because your heart's perfect toward God doesn't mean you're sinlessly perfect but it means you are reverencing and obeying God and his word why her why you why them number 1 the lord's eternal excuse me eternal eyes his eyes watch tireless, tirelessly look a little bit further if you would proverbs chapter number 15 proverbs chapter number 15 his eyes watch tirelessly and his eyes weigh truthfully proverbs chapter number 15 look at verse number 3 we know the we, we we know this. We probably know this chapter a little. Uh, for the very first verse, that's probably how we know it. Verse number one says, "A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words, excuse me, words stir up anger." The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Now the context here is talking about the tongue. Now really, I mean, we, we, could, we could pin verse number 3 on a lot of different things. We could pin it on, on anything that we do, not just our conversation and not just our tongue, but the context is he's speaking about our tongue. He said, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. And then verse number 3, he says, The eyes of the Lord are what? In every place, beholding the evil and the good. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. The ears of the Lord are in every place. He hears when, when our tongue is, is salty and when it's sweet. Remember what James says? He says it shouldn't be both. It should be one or the other. But he knows when we have a soft answer or when we have a critical tongue. By the way, the tongue is that little member James talk about talks about, isn't it? Ooh. It gets us in trouble, doesn't it? And Many times we don't want it to, but it just does because it's that little member. You know, the Bible talks there, it talks about, uh, it talks about the, the ship, how big it is, but it's controlled by the little helm. And it talks about the tongue. It talks about all those things that are controlled by a little bitty part. It talks about the bit in a horse's mouth. And we can move the horse this way or that way just with a little bit. And it talks about the tongue, how it controls the whole body. And by the way, in that passage it says, It is set on fire of hell. It is set on fire of hell. You know, when our tongue says something that it ought not say and it sparks a fire, you know where that came from? It came from hell. Because it takes a work of the grace of God for us to speak that which is right. In the Bible. When the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, it says death first. It doesn't say life. It doesn't say life and death. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. I believe that's on purpose because naturally what comes out of our mouth is death. It takes a supernatural working of the grace of God for us to speak life because naturally it's death. Where does that come from? It comes from hell. It comes from. And by the way, a fire is always looking for what? Oxygen. A fire to burn and increase, a flame to, to continue to increase, what's it always looking for? It's always looking for oxygen. The fire that is started with the tongue is always looking for oxygen. So you know the best thing to do is just close the mouth, don't give it any oxygen. Actually, I guess we would be giving it carbon dioxide, would it? But but cover it up. Don't give it any oxygen. It's always looking for oxygen to spread and to increase. Don't give it any. And he's speaking of the tongue here. And in verse number 3, he says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Go back just a little bit, if you would. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. The Lord's eternal eyes, His eyes watch tirelessly and His eyes weigh truthfully. Psalm 34 and verse number 5, or excuse me, I'm sorry, not 5, verse 15. Psalm 34 and verse number 15. The Bible says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open unto their cry. His eye, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Back, We should have looked at this one before we left, but go one more place. One more place. We'll stop. I have more, but let's just... Proverbs 22. Would you go there? Proverbs 22 once again. The Lord's eternal eyes. His eyes watch tirelessly. His eyes weigh truthfully. Proverbs chapter number 22, verse number 12. The Bible says, The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge. And he overthroweth the words of the what? Of the who? The transgressor. You see, his his eyes weigh truthfully. He's there with the righteous to preserve. But he's also there with the transgressor. His eyes weigh truthfully. Number one tonight, the Lord's eternal eyes. Number two, go back to Luke chapter 1 if you would. Number one, the Lord's eternal eyes. That's true for all of us tonight. He's running to and fro. The Lord's eyes run to and fro. He's looking. He's looking for the man. He's looking for the woman. He's looking for the young man, the young woman, whose heart is perfect toward him. And when he finds him, what does he want to do? do? What do we say in 2 Chronicles 16, 9? What does he want to do? Let's grasp this verse now. What does he want to do? Show himself strong. He wants to show himself strong in the behalf of that individual whose heart is perfect toward him. He wants to show himself strong sometimes we get this idea well I got to be good 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 I got to do this and got to do this and, and pastor said I shouldn't do wrong and I shouldn't do wrong and the Lord's watching the Lord's watching so I better do right because if the Lord sees you know the Lord's just going to pound that's not even the point of the verse I mean it's part of it he said Asa you did foolishly but the point of the verse is that he wants to show himself strong it's not that he's just oh I'm fixing again. no he wants to bless He wants to show Himself strong on behalf of that young man or that young lady or that man or that woman tonight whose heart is perfect toward Him. Number one, the Lord's eternal eyes. Number two, Mary's humble heart. Why her? Because of her humble heart. Why her? Mary's humble heart. She had a heart of purity. She had a heart of perfection. A heart of perfection is a heart that fears and follows God. That's a heart of perfection. A heart that fears, a heart that follows, a heart that has faith. That's the perfect heart. A heart that fears reverence and obedience. We, we talked about it this morning. I'm needing to go through it again. That fears and then follows. We said a divine fear will result in a devoted faith. A divine fear. When I have reverence and obedience for Him, it's going to increase my faith. But that's what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You want to increase your faith? Read more of the Word of God. Listen to more of the Word of God. Take in more of the Word of God. The perfect heart is the heart that fears and that follows and that has faith in what God has said. What does she say in verse 38? What does she say again? Be it unto me according to what? According to thy word. According to Thy Word. Not according to what I want. Not according to my desires. Lord! I'm already engaged to a man. Brother Caleb talked about that Friday night at the young adults get together. Lord, I'm already engaged to a man. What in the world is everybody going to think about this? Because during that engagement time in the Hebrew, and, and really even as Brother Caleb said, it was almost as if they were they were already married. But the husband would spend time. By the way, the Old Testament speaks about how the husband is supposed to take a year and get ready for his wife. He's supposed to build a house for her. He's supposed to get prepared for her. But they don't have any interaction. What's everybody going to say? Now by the way, wouldn't that have been an understandable apprehension? Wouldn't that have been a natural apprehension? Lord, this isn't for me. I can't, I, I can't do this. It's not what she said. She said, Be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, what you say, that's what I want to do. Lord, I trust you implicitly. She feared, she followed, she had faith. Not blind faith, but faith in. In God's Word. Behold. By the way, I I believe based on what she says in verse 38, when she calls herself the handmaid of the Lord, I believe she had manifested this faith many times before, even as a young lady. Be it unto me, according to thy word. The Lord's eternal eyes, He's all to and fro, But Mary's humble heart. She had a heart of purity. She had a heart of perfection. By the way, what does the Bible say about King David? He was a man after what? Was he perfect? Was he sinlessly perfect? We know that. We've we've spoken about that many, many times. No, he wasn't. No. He had Uriah killed. Committed adultery. No, he wasn't a perfect man. But his heart... Was perfect toward God. By the way, King David is the, the king that every other king is compared to. Now, I know a lot of the bad kings, they're compared to Jeroboam. You know, they did like Jeroboam. I understand that tonight. But when it comes to the level of spirituality, they're all compared to David. That's so why the Bible says, uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, he walked in the first ways of David his father. It's Jehoshaphat, I think. I think I'm right on that. He walked in the first ways of David, his father. And I believe when it says the first ways, I believe he's speaking about David before he committed adultery. I believe that's what he's talking about there. But that's who all the kings are compared to. And the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. A heart that fears, a heart that follows, a heart that has faith. Young people tonight, I understand with all my heart that it takes faith for you to live for God in this time period. By the way, it takes faith every generation. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that y'all are something special. But I am acknowledging tonight that y'all deal with some things that none of us never had to deal with. Okay, I'm acknowledging that tonight. And it takes faith. For you to step out and say, you know what? I I, I don't care about the culture. I don't care about how everybody's dressing. I don't care about how everybody's talking. I don't care about the lingo and the slang. I don't care about any of that. I, I am the handmaid of the Lord. I'm a young man of God. And I want God to show Himself strong in my life. Even as a teenager, I want Him to show Himself strong in my life. Mary's humble heart, she had a heart of purity. She had a heart of perfection. Then look, if you would, at verse number 46. She had a heart of praise. She had a heart of praise. We'll begin reading there in just a moment. Verse number 46, if you'll get there, I'll be there in just a moment. In Proverbs chapter number 31, it's speaking about the virtuous woman. And in verse number 30, you may be able to quote the verse. The Bible says, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that does what? Feareth the Lord. What what does it mean to have a heart that is perfect toward God? It means to have a heart that fears, which is going to lead me to follow, and that fear rests in the faith that I have in God and His Word. I fear Him because I trust Him. I reverence and obey Him because I trust Him. I trust Him, and and I'm not just speaking about me, I'm speaking about us. We trust Him implicitly. And because of that, we can follow Him. And because of that, we reverence Him and we obey Him. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. A woman that has reverence and obedience to God. Not the one who is loud and boisterous. It is the one who fears God. It is the one who lives her life in subjection to Almighty God. Why her? Because she had a heart of humility. A heart that was pure. A heart that was perfect. And a heart that praised. Look at verse number 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced. We, we, we skip verses 39 through 45. She's with, she's with Elizabeth. Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. How does she know that? Because that's what the angel told her. Remember verse 28? He said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. She, she said, Every generation shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. What's he doing right here? In, in verse number 49, He that is mighty hath done to me great things. What's happening right here in this verse? Huh? Absolutely. She's praising the Lord. What else? Okay, she's submitting to Him. What else is happening here? Verse 49. What's happening here? You know what's happening? 2 Chronicles 16, 9 is being borne out right here. He's showing Himself strong. Do you see that? For He that is what? For he that is mighty, the strong one, he that is mighty hath done to me what great things. We we always look at the negative. Well, God, he the Lord's eyes run to and fro; he watches tirelessly, he weighs truthfully. Ah, oh, that's a bad thing. No, she says the 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 one that is mighty, he that is mighty hath done to me not bad things. Now, by the way, if He has to judge, He has to judge, doesn't He? He is the judge of all the earth. But she said, He's done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. Why her? Because she feared. She had a heart of obedience and reverence. And His mercy is on them. By by the way, in, in in this passage from 46 really to the end of the chapter, we see that word mercy five times. And His mercy is on them that fear Him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with His arm. There we go again, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of what? Low degree. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody, no, nobody cares. Nobody knows who I am. I'm nobody, I'm nobody significant. We might make that statement sometimes. But oh, that doesn't matter to God, does it? Does it? No, that's who He uses. He uses men and women of low degree who will have faith in Him, who will fear Him. He hath showed strength with His arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts and exalted, verse 52, and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich He hath sent empty away. He hath in His servant Israel in remembrance. There's that word again of His mercy. As He spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her, speaking of Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her own house. Mary's humble heart, she had a heart of purity. She had a heart of perfection. She had a heart of praise. Why her? Because of her humble heart. She had faith. She feared. And she followed. And then let me give you number three. Number one, the Lord's eternal eyes. Number two, Mary's humble heart. We've already seen it. But number three, the Lord's shown strength. The Lord's shown, S-H-O-W-N, strength. What did He do? He showed Himself strong in the life of Mary. He showed Himself strong. We already read it. We showed himself strong. He showed Himself strong in the life of Mary. Why? Because she feared. Well, what does she say in verse number 48? All generations are going to know that I'm blessed. Verse 49, for He that is mighty hath done to me great things. Verse 50, and His mercy is on them that fear Him. From generation to generation. He hath, there it is. He hath showed strength. He hath showed strength with His arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. The Lord's eternal eyes, they watch tirelessly, they weigh truthfully. That's, it, it can be a bad thing, but oh, the Lord wants it to be a good thing. The Lord wants to show Himself strong. Number two, Mary's humble heart. heart of purity, a heart of perfection, a heart of praise. Young people tonight, and by the way, little ones tonight, parents tonight, you ought to, you ought to encourage, you ought to help, you all to train your children. Remember we talked about this morning, we said that, that Zacharias and Elizabeth were trusted to train. The forerunner, the one who would proclaim the, the, the Christ, the Messiah, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. They were entrusted to train. Parents, tonight, you ought to desire for your kids to live pure lives. It bothers me. Listen, it bothers me to the depths of who I am to hear parents make statements along the lines of, well, you know, you got to let your kids experience some things. Well, that that hurts me. Because, by the way, I'm not a perfect parent, and you folks know that tonight. That hurts me to my core. We don't have to let kids experience things that are going to give them and leave them scars for the rest of their lives. We don't have to do that. We shouldn't do that. Because we can encourage them and we can teach them and we can train them to live lives of purity. To live lives that are wholly consecrated to God Almighty, even as a young person. Yeah, but boy, I want my kid to be cool and I I want him to be the best athlete and I want him to be this and be that. Can I ask you, what does that even mean? What does it mean to be cool? Do we really even know? I mean, my wife keeps me cool in the car all the time. I know what that means. I was born with thin blood and I just, you know, I just like it a little bit warmer. It has nothing to do with my age. I just like it a little warmer. She doesn't. I know what that means. What does it mean to be cool? I don't even think we can define it. But I think we can define what it means to be consecrated. And what it means to be pure what it means to be holy I think we do understand what it means when God says I'm looking for men and women I'm looking for young men and women I'm looking for I'm looking for individuals whose heart is perfect toward me and when I find them you know what I want to do I want to show myself strong in their lives we understand that that's what he's given he's he's laid that right out there very clear for no ambiguity whatsoever number three the Lord's shown strength Remember verse 37, Luke chapter 1? For with God nothing shall be what? Impossible. Two things. He uses, first of all, the improbable to do the impossible. He uses the improbable. And secondly, He does the impossible. Again, we're not going to read all of verses 46 through 56 again. But in those verses, Mary speaks to the fact... That God empties the haughty, the proud, and He employs the humble. He uses the humble. God uses the improbable, and He does the impossible. You think Mary was one of the cool kids? I don't think so. I don't think she cared. She said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Pastors, I mean, you want your kids to be square? No. I want them to enjoy life, but I want them to enjoy it being consecrated to their God. You can do both. We we think we have to give up one for the other. Well, if if we live consecrated, we you know we have to uh, you know we have to sit at home and wear a toe sack all the time, and we don't ever get to do anything, and we can't ever have any any style or any. No, not what that means at all. It means I'm consecrated spiritually, scripturally to God Almighty. He uses the improbable and He does the impossible. He used a young lady who feared Him. She says that in verse 50. We have that truth in verse number 50. Why her? Because she feared God. Why her? Because her heart was perfect toward God. Why you, hey, young man tonight, why you? Because your heart is perfect toward God. Doesn't mean you're sinlessly perfect. Doesn't mean you never disobey mom and dad. But it means you have a heart that reverences and obeys God Almighty. And when you do disobey parent, mom and dad, or when you do disobey God, You get it right quickly. That's what set David apart from all the other kings. It wasn't that he was sinlessly perfect. It's that when he fell and when he sinned, he got it right quickly. He was quick to repent and get things right with God. He never allowed his heart to be lifted up inside of himself. So what about it tonight? Why her? Why them? Why Zacharias and uh, and Elizabeth? Why her? Why Mary? Because they had hearts that were perfect toward God. And because of that, what did God do? God showed Himself strong. He allowed a lady who was probably 80 plus to bear a son, the forerunner. And He allowed a young lady consecrated to her God, a handmaid of the Lord, she, he, he showed himself strong. She calls herself someone of low degree. But the mighty God used her. Listen, you might say tonight, and you might get this in your mind tonight, I live in West Tennessee. I, I, I live in the middle of cotton fields, and nobody knows who I am, and nobody cares. By the way, I don't think there's anything wrong living in the middle of cotton fields. I kind of tend to like it myself. Nothing wrong with that. Here's the truth. God knows who you are. Because His eyes are eternal and they're running to and fro and they're looking for young men and young women whose heart, by the way, not just young men and young women, men and women in general, boys and girls in general, whose hearts are perfect, Toward Him. And it doesn't matter if anybody outside of West Tennessee knows who you are. Here's the truth. One day they might. One day they might. Because God may take you to some great metropolis and He may use you to build a church. You don't build the church. He builds the church. But He may use you to do it. He may take you across the water to a mission field and there will be people who know your name because He will show Himself strong in your life and on your behalf. Why her? Why them? Why us? Because our hearts are perfect toward Him. Father, thank You for the Word You've given us today. May we have a desire tonight that our hearts are perfect toward You. Not sinless, but they are reverent and they are obedient. We, we fear because we have faith. We trust You implicitly. And because of that, we follow You completely. And Father, I pray today, I just... Lord, I, I'm not going to re-preach the message. Lord, I pray Your Holy Spirit will work in our hearts tonight. And if we are living a life that is perfect toward you, I pray that we'll continue. If we're not, I pray that tonight, Lord, we'll repent, we'll get it right, and we'll make a commitment tonight. Lord, with your help, with your grace, I want to live a life that is perfect toward you, and I want you to show yourself strong in my life. Lord, may that be our heart's desire tonight. In Christ's name I do pray. Amen. If you're physically able, I'll ask you to stand tonight. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Pam's at the piano. She's going to begin to play. Maybe you just need to bend the knee where you're at. Maybe you need to step out. You know, it's good sometimes to step out from our comfort zone, step out from where we're at and maybe just even step out into the middle aisle or one of the side aisles or maybe come all the way to the front and bend the knee and just say, Lord, I I want my heart to be perfect toward You because, Lord, I desire for You to show Yourself strong in my life. God, I want my heart to be perfect toward You. I want to fear I want to have reverence and obedience to you. And by the way, young people tonight, if you're going to have reverence and obedience to God, then you better have reverence and obedience to mom and dad. Because if you're not doing that, I can guarantee you, I know that a doubt, you're not having reverence and obedience to God. Because God says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. you got to start right there with what you know. Adults, it's the same for us. If you love me, keep my commandments. If we're going to fear Him, if we're going to reverence and obey Him. We ought to take an inventory maybe of our homes tonight. How do I treat my spouse? How do I treat my children? That'll be a good test of whether I'm having reverence and obedience for God. Why her? Why them? Because they had hearts that were perfect toward Him. By the way, does that mean that there were no other people at that time in that vicinity that had hearts that were perfect toward God? I don't believe that at all, but I believe theirs were more perfect. Their hearts were perfect toward God. They were righteous. They were blameless, the Bible says about Zacharias and Elizabeth. They were obedient to the ordinances and the commandments. surrender all. Have we really done that? Have we really surrendered all? Pray that we have. Amen. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed tonight. Thank you for being faithful to God's house today. Uh, It's been good to be around God's people today and i'm thankful for it i'm thankful for your faithfulness and let's finish out the year we got two we have two more sundays and uh, two more is it two more i believe two more wednesday nights and let's let's just be faithful uh, let's just be faithful this time of year and let's be consecrated uh, let's enjoy i hope you don't let me say this and i'm going to ask brother roman to pray for us he'll dismiss us i hope you don't dread this time of year i i i, I know people who do I know people who make that statement, boy, I just can't wait for this time of year to be over. I I hope that's not you tonight. Now, if we get our priorities wrong, then we we may have that mindset. But if we'll keep our priorities right, and if we'll keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, boy, we can can enjoy this time of year with, with such great joy and great anticipation, and I pray that we will. Hey, take, I hope you already have, but take some this week. I know some of you, how many are going to be out shopping this week? How many of you have already done all your shopping online? By the way, I'm okay with that. I don't judge that. Take some of the little thank you tracks, the Christmas thank you tracks, and when you're shopping, just give someone a thank you track. Now, if you go to a restaurant, leave a good tip. Uh, but give them a thank you track. It has the gospel laid out in there so well, so clearly. If you go through a drive through it'd be okay to, to put a couple dollars in there and give them a thank you track and say, hey, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And so do that. We still, I think we still have a, a good number of those left. And so take some of those. Let's be dismissed tonight. We'll see you Wednesday night. No Master Club. No Master Club at 6.30. We'll see everybody in here at 7. And uh, Brother Roma, you dismiss us, please, sir.